We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Oh my God, it's sat in there. <laughs> oh my God. Right, right <laughs> to the nuts. It, it wasn't like, it wasn't like a... Oh my God. <laughs> That's why when he went down, he went down like he got (laughs) shot. We were like, oh, God, did it hit his hand or something like that? You could see that it went between his leg and the cup and just, like, found that opening. (laughs) It found the dick. Oh, my God. And it kind of, like, it stayed in there for a second. Yeah, it it got... Oh, I can't believe that. Mm. D-Rob's reaction is is so priceless. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 181. You can tell by my voice, it's still gone. 24 hours, Scott, after the wildcard game, and I'm really feeling it. I'm slowly getting better, I think. (laughs) I can't tell. But uh, I've gone to tea and honey just to see if I can help the throat out a little bit because it was pretty brutal earlier. Uh, but yeah, I think I'm, I'm recovering. I am exhausted. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I'm going to sleep like a freaking log tonight. But um, yeah, I'm still, I'm still riding the high, I think. I just keep playing back things and scenarios in my head of that game from last night because, you know, just the more I think about how much fun it was, it was just, it was such a great time and the... 
I'm just trying to re- replay like you know the crowd and like what what things were happening because I feel like I blacked out occasionally, uh, especially immediately when you're talking about it like right afterwards. You, I think you forget things, so it was just such an awesome freaking atmosphere and what a great game. I think I replayed the Periscope of us during Didi's home run about five times today. Just the way the stadium erupted, everybody was on their feet. That that was I've said it last night on the podcast. I'm going to say it again after having watched all the replays and listened to all the people talk about it. Girardi even said, it's the loudest the stadium has been in a long, long time. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. There's, that's not even in question. You know, one thing I also liked, it, I don't remember if they did this in 2015, but uh, I don't know if you remember, but did they do the standing room only tickets at that point? I'm sure they did. I'm, not I'm sure. sure they did. Well, they, I feel like they have more of that because of the uh, because of the sections that have opened up in center field as well. There's more of a capacity. I mean, I know that that number has gone up. So I, it, it yeah, really what's felt, that? What's that? Five, two, three thousand people. That yeah, doesn't but, make that much of a difference when no, it's no, no, already no, forty eight thousand. I'm not saying that that that's like the um, the difference at all. What I'm saying is, is it fills in the gaps and it makes it feel just that much more full because there's really like no room. There's no and, and they block. You know, pe- when people are standing back there too, that does it blocks the. Um, you know, the air, the, the ways going back into those tunnels and it almost closes it off a little bit more. I think it does make a little bit of a difference when you have people lining those, those areas. Um, it's just, you know, that many more people that are screaming and yelling. And the other difference is that everybody was in their seats that, you know, there weren't, it didn't seem like there were a lot of people staying and hanging out in like the suites and all that shit. Everybody was out in their seats, uh, watching the game. And, and that made a big difference. Totally. The, the stadium was filled from pitch one and, I was getting worried for a while. I was like, the crowd is going to get out of it if, if the Yankees don't do something quickly. And they did something immediately that allowed the crowd to stay in it from the first pitch. Chad Green kept the momentum going, and it just took it from there. Um, we're going to do slightly just looking back to the wild card game, giving our final thoughts. Because as I said, we were at the game. It's hard to, to know what's going on because there's a lot of things we missed and that I just caught today on replays. Um, and then we're going to get into the entire... Uh, the entire ALDS Cleveland preview. But before that, just a reminder on our episode schedule during the playoffs, One every game, there's going to be a podcast. Like last night, it might be a shit show. We might have to do it <laughs> late at night when we can't even remember what was going on because we're just so happy from... And people were saying that I sounded drunk. Maybe I was a little buzzed, but I think I was just... Happy. I think I was just over. Yeah, we weren't really we weren't really drunk at that point. We, I mean, we had been drinking all day, so who knows? I mean, there's you know there, you, get, you get hit that plateau, but we, I don't think we really were that bad, honestly. We it, we would it was like what an hour after the game stopped, so we hadn't had a beer in like two hours. Right, and it was a combination of of being exhausted and also being extremely happy and having right. and having no voice. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so, so like I said, every time there's a game, there'll be an episode up at some point the, the following day. Also, guys, we've been saying to rate and review the podcast. You guys are coming through. We're almost at our goal for 500. Big time. But it's at 486. We're going to up that goal to 600 during the playoffs oh because, oh because we're almost at 500. And when the Yankees advance past the wild cards, so we have at least three more games, hopefully a lot more. Um, so let's get those, uh, keep doing those reviews. Um, it's awesome to see you guys are, are getting behind us there and, and we love to see that. So before we do all of the, the preview of the, of the Indian series, a couple more final thoughts from, from the wildcard game, like we said, the atmosphere, but the player's emotion judge when he hit his home run rounding the bases showed more emotion than he did on all 52 homers combined during the season. 
you could tell that it was a totally different feeling for these guys. They, you could tell that they knew the the difference between a regular season game and a playoff game. One, the crowd just tells you that hey, every we're into this one, like wholeheartedly we're into this. And I, you could tell that they felt that they could they felt the energy of the crowd, and I think that trickled down because whoever, if, if anybody in the world ever has ever said that a crowd doesn't directly affect and impact the way that guys play on the field, they're they're ridiculously wrong because it's an energy and you can feed off that energy. And those guys, while they're having fun in that dugout, feed off that energy, that positive noise coming from the crowd. And you can absolutely tell that the emotions in a very, very, very positive way got a hold of some of these guys. And Aaron Judge was the first one when he hit that home run. I mean, you're right. We never he would put his head down and and run the bases every single time if he hit a uh, if he had a home run that he knew was gone. This one, well, he didn't know it was gone because we, we weren't sure if it was going to clear the wall or not. As soon as he saw that, boom, just elated, and and he really showed it all over his face. And I loved seeing that. Uh, I mean, I loved everything about that. It's awesome. As long as the Yankees are playing at Yankee Stadium in the playoffs, the crowd is going to be behind it because we have so much confidence in this offense to put up runs. Yeah, they're probably going to face some tough pitchers that might shut them down, but they still have the potential to put up big numbers at in any inning because up and down the lineup, they have guys who can hit the ball out. And thinking back to 2015, that offense was dormant. They were dying at that point. You just knew it wasn't going to happen. You were hoping maybe Beltran or A-Rod, A-Rod ran into a, into a ball. Now, up and down the lineup. Didi saved the day last night, but it could be somebody else tomorrow. Well, you know, and and it started early in the season when we saw that nine to one comeback. When when this team was going, we we realized that there's at no point are, are the Yankees out of a game because of that potent offense, and it was clearly evident. You know, starting early in the season with that Orioles game, and you know they did it against the Cubs as well. So they've done it in big games and situations that are, you know, where their back is up against the wall, and. Obviously, they did it last night, and and it was it was just tremendous to see that 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 they took care of that business and got back in that game so immediate. They're like, okay, now we need to score runs right now. Let's do it, and then they score runs. And you know, the clutchest of all clutch, Mister Mister Didi Gregorius on this team goes out there and just uh, hits a laser beam. So you know, they responded. That is the biggest thing, and and I think that look, I said it last night. I'm gonna say it again. This team is freaking scary. Every single team that, they, that, that goes against them does not want to play the New York Yankees right now because they know. They know damn well that this team is young, talented as anybody, and they got nothing to lose. So that's not, that, that, guy is, that guy is dangerous. They also match up well with the Indians, uh, or closely with the Indians. Um, a lot of their teams, a lot of their, str- their strengths are similar on both sides, so that's going to be very interesting. But another thing that we missed, um, not missed, but kind of glossed <laughs> over, is the is the the D Rob and Gary Sanchez nut situation? Oh my God! We saw Gary go down like a ton of bricks, and we were just hoping that he didn't catch a fall tip to the neck or a fall tip to the elbow or the wrist, and it's serious injury. We didn't really, we couldn't tell where the ball hit him, and then we saw. I guess the people behind home plate probably saw it or something, but just it didn't reach us out in section two hundred six. Seeing the the different gifts and the different videos on Twitter today. That ball caught all of the meat, all of the, all of the Gary Sanchez meat on that foul tip. And, and D-Rob, his reaction was amazing. Immediate. <laughs> I have never seen anything like that. I have been watching baseball my entire life. I've been, I played baseball for a while. I've never seen a ball hit the way it hit in the dude's nuts. It was unbelievable. It caught between the leg and the cup. I thought maybe that 
you know, like sometimes things shift around and the cup will will be in a bad place and it'll hit the cup and then the edge of the cup can do damage. That's what I thought was going on. No, no, that's not what happened. That ball somehow got into a pocket and hit him right in the right in the dick. It was ridiculous. And D-Rob's reaction was so immediate because the ball, the ball looked like it sat there for five seconds. Yep. I mean, it looked like I got caught. It liked what it grabbed. It was, it was there's, ridiculous. There's a, a Rawlings imprint on, on Mr. Gary Sanchez. Yes. It's a miracle that he got up. And he got up. He got up quick. He shook it off. I got to give him credit for that because yeah, we all know what that feels like. It feels like your, your guts are being I have no out. idea what that feels like. I have uh, never gotten hit in the nuts that hard. I have, well, not that hard, but I, I did. I was a catcher throughout Little League all through high school. So I've been hit in the groin many, many times. Obviously not on a major league field off a major league foul tip. But yeah, it, but it doesn't matter. Cup, it, it, it hits the cup. Like I understand, no, you can that get. That still hurts. You, that still hurts. You can get damage from it. I know. I've been hit there as well. But at the same time, it missed the cup. The cup moved out, and the ball went in. It was terrible. He needs to wear something a little bit more uh, tighter. That's a, you know that that's holding things yeah, in place. He can. He's you know Gary. I mean, he lets it, he, he lets it all hang loose. He likes maybe to live dangerously. Maybe that's why he doesn't get down and block. Yeah. Maybe, maybe you should constrict the stuff. So there's a little bit more aerodynamics going on. I think we just figured out why Gary Sanchez is having blocking yeah. issues. <laughs> maybe he wasn't even wearing a cup, and that's we were just seeing not the cup. Girardi, Girardi's like, hey, have you ever heard of this thing? It's called a cup. It might help you behind the plate. It was it was bad. I, 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 had to, I couldn't. It was like the Theismann injury. I couldn't take my eye off it. At the same time, I couldn't look at it. The Yankees, though, continued their ownership over the Minnesota Twins. 10th straight playoff victory against the Twins, 13-2 all-time in the playoffs. And the Yankees also, when Gardner goes deep, are 17-2 this year. So a lot of things went right for the Yankees on, on, uh, on Tuesday night. The bullpen, we know, eight and a third innings of one, one earned run ball, five hits allowed. Chad Green threw 41 pitches. D-Rob threw 52 pitches. Canely, 29 pitches. And Chapman, 20 pitches. So we're kind of just figuring out how the bullpen is going to be lined up for, for game one. Obviously, they had the off day on, on Wednesday, but I can't imagine that Girardi uses D-Rob in game one. I feel like he's the only one unavailable for game one. He's the only one because actually Green has gone two innings, day off, and then has come back. I mean, he hasn't pitched on consecutive days, I think, all season, right? He didn't throw him in consecutive days. But I do believe he could go for you know an inning probably. Um, Canely... I don't know how many times he's gone two innings. That that could be a situation. Only twenty nine. Only twenty nine pitches, though. Yeah, that's true. That uh, that that's um that's pretty damn efficient. I mean, honestly, D Rob fifty two pitches and three and a third. That's pretty damn efficient too. Uh, Especially with all yeah. the mess he came in with. Yeah, absolutely. No, so look, I I think a lot of the things that we're we're thinking of conventionally though as well are going to be relatively out the window, and, and it's also dependent on how. How much Girardi really looks at this first game and says, "Okay, we need to take this first game," and you know maybe he will stretch a guy that wouldn't normally be stretched. I think that he's going to be a little bit more liberal with with the with the use of this bullpen, especially when he sees how dominant they are, you know, and how how effective these guys are. So the good thing is is that there are still three guys, um, you know, Batantis, Warren, and Shriver guys that did not pitch. Obviously, he was staying away from Batanzas for a, for a reason. You didn't trust him. So didn't telling. want to bring it's him so in a four-run game. If he didn't use yeah. him in, in t- the wild card game when you needed an entire game out of your bullpen, when are you going to use him? 
Yeah, he didn't want walks. You could tell that he needed people who were throwing strikes. That was the biggest thing. And and these guys were throwing strikes. So why bring in Batances at that point? Even if they're making contact, they're throwing strikes. You know, Batances could give up uh, two walks in the blink of an eye and then, and then you know, throw a get-me-over um, curveball that stays up in the zone and it's a three-run shot. It happens in the. It happens so fast against him. You ready for this? We got we got a little breaking news. Just came through on my okay. phone. Okay. Yankees announced Sonny Gray to start Game One. CC Sabathia Game Two. Ooh. Okay. I don't. I don't hate that wild card. Not an actual. Not that. the actual wild card. But Girardi's throwing us a, a curveball there with with CC in Game Two. And you and I briefly were discussing how beforehand in just the show notes yep. that that trust factor that that uh, maybe. Sabathia would pitch at home because he would feed off that crowd, but with what I don't know, I don't know what the decision, what the decision behind Girardi going with Sabathia game two. It's a place obviously he's pitched a million times against Cleveland. He used to pitch for Cleveland. The, the big game experience. We thought maybe he'd go with Severino because Severino barely threw any pitches. Try and get him back out there quickly on the road so you kind of clear his head that way. Not 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 going to go that way though. So I would imagine if I were guessing now, it would go. After Sonny and CeCe, it would go Tanaka game three and then Severino game four? Or would, would you flip those two? No, I think Tanaka's going to go. Yeah, I think Tanaka would go game three. Uh, I think it also depends on what happens in the first two games. The, the interesting thing is, is that CeCe, we talked about this beforehand when we were doing the preview of, the, of, the wild, or of, of, of everything, just kind of like the confidence level on if they were to win the wild card, how he would set it up. And... I mean, you and I both agreed that that it wouldn't surprise us if CC was one of the first pitchers rolled out there because of the confidence level that Girardi has in him. And Girardi, I mean, CC had a hell of a year; he really did. The uh, the, the fact that he's he, so it would be game, lining up for Game Two against Kluber. That's that's very interesting because if you can catch lightning in a bottle with CC against Kluber, which which you know I wouldn't put it past CC. Big game going against their ace, like you know he's getting up for that game. Uh, then you got your other guys. Uh, with not throwing Tanaka, not throwing Severino, where you probably have the edge at that point. Or so it's an interesting move. Or is Girardi saying that we're going to throw our fourth best pitcher against your best pitcher? Well, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. That, that's exactly what I'm saying. But he's got the confidence in CC. He is the fourth best pitcher. But when you're talking about confidence level, Joe has a lot in him. So you could catch lightning a bottle with CC, and he's one of those guys that could absolutely come out and throw a gem. And if you get that, if you do get that against Kluber, Awesome. So here's the thing, though, because the game two starter would line up for a game five start. Yeah, because that's the whole reason. That's why, what Kluber's doing. That's why Kluber's pitching game two is because he would be on normal rest for a game five start because there's an off day after game two and after game four. So Sabathia then would line up. I mean, he Girardi could do something different because if they do go with four starters, then actually it would be Sonny Gray who would pitch in game five, not not uh, Sabathia. But but a game five situation is all hands on deck anyway. Like you could. Be in your bullpen in uh, in the first inning, and you could be bullpenning Brian Kenny style. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you could Brian Kenny the living hell out of that game five. But yeah, I I, I just think it speaks such such a immense immensely to the way that Girardi feels about Sabathia, and I guess how Sabathia feels. I mean, I don't know if you listened to um, he had a he and Ruko put out an episode of that R two C two podcast on Monday, and um, CC was actually very very open talking about like a lot of the things and how he felt and basically talking about that, you know, he's like super comfortable with the way he's pitching. He had one of his best years and the fact, and his knee feels good right now. And as long as his knee feels good, you know, he, he's, he thinks he can go out there and pitch effectively and very well. So, um, 
I don't I don't hate that move, honestly. I like I like having that veteran out there, especially in a road start. He does have better numbers, Sabathia does, on the road versus Yankee Stadium. Uh, we wouldn't have been upset if he was pitching. At, we assumed he was pitching at Yankee Stadium because we didn't think he would get a game one or a game two start. And we were saying that's OK because he would feed off the energy of the crowd and sort of get behind it that way. And you really only need five innings out of Sabathia. You don't need him to stretch out in the game. You just need five innings. Well, we'll see because, it, uh, again, it depends on what happens in game one because of what's going on with our bullpen right yes, now. I mean, Alex, these guys have already been stretched. Everything so. changes day to day in the playoffs. Absolutely. And, and, and in a vacuum, you only need five innings because you have the six, six or five or six guys in the bullpen to back them up. I know we just talked about this before we got on the show and we were talking about CC in, at the stadium. We're like, okay, he can feed off the energy. But we also talked about the fact that we, we could absolutely see and honestly expect that, that Joe would go, uh, potentially give Tanaka that home start because his splits are so much better at home. So it makes more sense that you're getting CC on the road and pushing Tanaka back a start. One, you're giving him an extra day, which we all know he loves. And CC going on the road, better numbers. Tanaka numbers are, are, are uh, not as good on the road. Put him in a position where you know he feels com- feels comfortable and a position that he can succeed. So I I actually I really like this. I think this is a I think this is a good move. Well, we were uh, I was thinking maybe Severino game two because you get him back. The sooner he can get back on the mound, I think the better for him in the situation. He's got to be absolutely just devastated after what happened he he's not going to stop thinking about that until he gets another chance to pitch so why not get him out there quicker um so he has less time to think about it you also put him on the road so he's he's i mean he got booed off yankee stadium that was a very casual boo by the way there was only a few people that was like uh we are very angry right now boo like did you really just do this to us it wasn't i don't think they were booing him well they were but not 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 like a not like a not like a you've you, you completely shit the bed for years and years and no. years. I'm going to boo the living hell. They out were of booing you. the situation. They were booing the situation. Yeah, but still, it, it was he's he's he was their best pitcher, and he he came up flat. He fell completely on his face. The moment was too big for Severino. That's the only logical explanation. He was missing location. Maybe he was too amped up. His fastball. I think he was too amped up. His fastballs were up in the zone. The home run to Rosario was supposed to be a backdoor slider, and it leaked over. It was a hanging slider in the middle of the plate. It was supposed to be low and away. Yeah, and and again, if you're not if you're not really changing the speed too, that looks like a fastball almost. It's a lot of the straight movement. I mean, we could see that. I could see that from from right field. Like the pitches, all to me when you're looking at them from there, they looked very similar. It didn't look like there was a lot of movement going on. Uh, but yeah, anyway, whatever. He's he's gonna get past it. I, I, I honestly, I've I've come around on this. I'm like, I think this in the long term could be uh, not not such a bad thing for him. It, it's a good learning experience. Whatever, he shit the bed. Fine, put it in the past. Move forward. Can't get worse. Just move on. Um, <laughs> That's true. It can't get worse. Is ERA? Someone yeah. tweeted me. Well, you today. did say you're like last. No, last night you're like, yeah, actually, it can get oh, worse. Yeah. Zero. He could get. He could get zero out. So I'm like, okay, you know, f you. Someone tweeted <laughs> but, me today. Uh, sh- like they screenshotted like his 81 ERA or something like that. It just it looks so bad. Yeah, but you know, look, he's a 23 year old kid. Came out there. Obviously, he was nervous. Obviously, he was overthrowing. Okay, got that out of the way. Now you move on and you dominate because that's what he is. Uh, this was not what he is. I, I, I am in no possible way saying that Severino is a guy that will just crumble. I think it was a, it was a, um, a, a, a case that happened. Got had the yips. First, first outing in the playoffs, big stage. Now that's done. Now you move on. 
Yes, but if he does not step up in his next start, then we have a problem. Well, then we could talk about that then. Yes. Uh, I think Francona is doing the Yankees a favor starting Trevor Bauer in game one because in a five-game series, this is going to sound stupid because every game is important, but in a five-game series, all you have to do as the away team is just take one of those games. So if, if Corey Kluber goes, you're... You're assuming, not assuming, but it's it's an uphill battle when you're facing Corey Kluber. He was the best pitcher in the American League this year. So if not major, in the if not the majors, right. he was one of the two best pitchers. So you are a heavy underdog when you're going up against Corey Kluber. If you lose game one against Corey Kluber, then as the Yankees, your backs are against the wall in game two because you got to steal a game. But if you can steal game one, then you put huge pressure on Corey Kluber and the Indians. And frankly, I don't think Trevor Bauer is that good. I know he's had a good second half of the season. I know he's dominated the Yankees this year. But this is a guy the Yankees can hit, should hit. He's also a guy that now has postseason experience big time. I mean, they went and made a long run into the World Series. He's a different guy than he was in the beginning of last year. He's a more matured pitcher that has obviously found uh, you know, a much better way and a much better formula to get guys out. So I, I don't think we could look past what he's done because he's he's had a very effective year um, when we're we're looking at him. What did he go like seventeen and nine this year? His ERA wasn't great, but against the Yankees it was one one point three eight ERA uh, against the New York Yankees in two starts. We also have to remember when those starts came. Those starts came when the Yankees were sucking. The offense wasn't fully healthy. They had six of their nine guys at any given point no, in time it, in, it's in true. July and August. So. It, if you're asking me which guy I want to see in game one, I want to see Trevor Bauer every single time. Right. There's no question about it. I agree with you that T- Terry Francona is getting a little cocky with this move, in my opinion. I think that the, the move to, um, to not store, start Kluber and get your team out in a short... This is a shorter series. I mean, it's not a seven-game series. It's a five-game series. Like you said, you split one, uh, then you have home field. It's, it, it turns that quickly. And we all know, we've talked about this, we've seen it, uh, the... the the home field advantage that the Yankees have when they're playing in the Bronx. I mean, it's, it's a very clear home field advantage. They know how to play with that in that place. And if you are able to, to take one from Trevor Bauer, and I guarantee this lineup is looking at that and salivating the fact that, okay, I see this. I see what you're doing. You think you're going to steal this one and then take two because Kluber's there. This is a cocky move. Yep. I would take this as bulletin board material, say that there's disrespect. They think you're terrible on the road. And I'm going to throw Trevor Bauer because we're just going to win that game. And then Corey Kluber's going to come and it's going to pitch game two. And then we're going to be up 2 nothing, and you're going to be in a hole. And it's going to be that simple. Terry Francona is getting cocky, and I don't like it. <laughs> I totally, And the more I'm talking about it, I don't like it more. I totally agree with you. I think it's overmanaging as well. It's cockiness, it's getting too cute, and it's overmanaging. If I were a fan of the Cleveland Indians, I would be apeshit because I want my best pitcher pitching game one. You need to get off on a good foot. The Indians have also been off. I mean, say what you want about the wild card game. It screws the wild card teams because they're in a one-game playoff, but the Yankees are riding high momentum right now. They just put up eight runs against the Twins. They're going to then go and face Trevor Bauer, who should not shut you down. Corey Kluber should shut you down. So he can turn your offense and turn it cold. Trevor Bauer should not do that. The Yankees are going to go right to Cleveland. They're going to bat first. It's going to be Trevor Bauer. Jump all over him earlier in this game. And and I honestly think that Francona is making a mistake starting Trevor Bauer. And I love it. I love that this is happening. As soon as you said that last night, I got a little twinge in my eye. I got a little, I was thinking in the back of my mind, okay, I can see how the dominoes are falling where the Yankees upset Cleveland in this series. Oh, come on. Relax. The, 
It, it, no, it's but it's 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 just a, it's a strange move by by uh, by Francona, and we all know he's a good manager, if not great manager, and we all know that he's a great postseason manager. I mean, his his record in the postseason, I don't have it in front of me, but I know it's ridiculous. I remember hearing it last year. The guy is he, you know, he's built for this. He he knows he knows his guys. I mean, that's one thing that was always a plus for Terry Francona is that he knows his clubhouse very very well, and he knows his guys, and he puts them in situations to succeed. So. If maybe he knows something we don't know, I don't know. But when you're looking at it face value, it looks like a, it looks like an opportunity for the Yankees. There's no doubt about it. He's probably planning on similar to what we said with Sabathia, just getting four to five innings out of Trevor Bauer and then going to the bullpen, which is absolutely loaded. The problem with the Indians pitching staff, if you're for the Yankees, is that their bullpen is equally as loaded as yours is. Andrew Miller, we all know what Andrew Miller is. Cody Allen, Brian Shaw, Dan Otero, and even Nick Goody. We were looking up Nick Goody's numbers. If you want to make yourself sick, go to Nick Goody's baseball reference page and look at his numbers this year. Their bullpen can match up with the Yankees' bullpen. So he's probably what Francona is saying is Bauer, give me four to five innings, and it's a bullpen game for us. And then Corey Kluber can do his thing in game two. It's a cocky move. They're not, they're not going to need the, the bullpen with right. Kluber is what he's thinking. It's what he's thinking. It's a cocky move. It's a very high-risk move by Francona. Yeah, no, absolutely. The other guy in the bullpen, too, is, is um, one we don't have on this list. He was the starter, uh, Salazar. That's another kid that, that was, um, you know, he came up with the Indians as a like, super highly touted uh, starting pitcher. And I think he was having control issues. Like maybe, maybe you're looking at something similar to like what what Severino did in the bullpen, or uh, the way Batantis came up as a, as a starting pitcher, and just didn't find it, but then found it in the bullpen. He's another guy that's got an electric arm that is uh, is an absolute weapon for him that could go more than one inning in uh, um, in the bullpen. So they're stacked. There's no <clears throat> doubt about it. They're stacked. And then they throw. Um, Carlos Carrasco, who's had a great season as well, and is probably you know one of the better pitchers in the American League as well. So up and down their their starting rotation and their bullpen, their pitching staff is is uh, is definitely a top tier. Their pitching staff actually set a record for thirty three pitcher awards, the most um, I believe it's the most all time. They they beat out one of those nineties Braves teams, which obviously we know what what their pitching staff was. Yeah, no, that's that's impressive because they were some all time pitching staffs with uh, with all those guys at the Braves. But you know, look, the Yankees got to be patient. Still, I, I think their their approach last night was uh, was good. I mean, you saw what what Gardner did. He, that leadoff walk. I mean, like boom, right immediately. Now you're causing problems on the base path, and and just things good things happen. So I think um, when you're going up against these good pitchers, I think having that uh, having Brett Gardner or whoever's leading off, if it's not Gardner. You know, making sure that he's working the count, getting on base, that's such a crucial at-bat. So a couple of keys to Sonny Gray in, in Game 1. Uh, this is going to be the fourth start of his season versus the Indians. Two came with Oakland, one came with the Yankees. Remember, it was the first game as a Yankee, and the Yankees booted the ball around for him, and he gave up a ton of unearned runs in that game. He didn't pitch great, but he gave up a lot of unearned runs as well. His ERA on the season versus Cleveland is 4.86 and 16 and two-thirds innings pitched. We said this uh, two episodes ago. The key to Sonny Gray right now is don't walk people. I was holding my eyes open to watch that first Sunny Gray start because I was in the hospital with forty without forty eight hours of sleep because uh, uh, my son Kemp was about to be born, <laughs> and I was like, just just wait, wait like three hours so I can watch Sunny Gray's first start. Wait like three hours, and he did. So, uh, but Sunny Gray again, no no run support. That was the the key thing for him. But you're right. Lately, he's been walking guys. Gotta gotta be in the strike zone and. 
when you're looking at Sonny Gray, when he's around the strike zone, he's one of the most, one of the nastiest pitchers out there. I was listening to some uh, some guys talking about Sonny Gray today. Some of the um, the guys on MLB Network or on one of the radio shows, and they were saying like he's one of the filthiest guys they had ever seen stepping in the box, just because of the arsenal that he has and the amount of you know different pitches that he could throw and throw them for strikes at any given time. So he's got to find that strike zone. That's such a crucial part for him. When we talked to the Joe Stiglitch um, from Oakland right after we traded for, for Sonny Gray, yeah. he talked about Sonny Gray and his big game mentality and that he is not phased by situations like playoff games. He was a rookie and he got matched up against um, Verlander in, in, uh, in his first uh, playoffs with the, with the Oakland A's. Pitched great against Verlander in two games. So I don't think he's going to be in any sort of uh, you know small nut syndrome like we may have seen out of Severino in, game, in a wild card game. Gary would have loved that small nut syndrome for that one pitch, just just for for that one half minute. Give me some small nuts. The the, the pitching is going to be good. I, I I have faith in Sonny Gray. I think he's going to come out in game one and he's going to give a very good start. I mean, I'm I'm thinking at least six innings. That's what I'm, that's what I'm looking at. I think they're also going to see this team picks each other up. They see what happens. This this is a, a true team that that goes out there and roots for each other and picks each other up. Sonny knows what happened with the bullpen. He knows what happened with Severino. He's going to go out there and be uh you know a leader amongst the rotation and throw one hell of a start and say, Savvy, look, this is all you got to do. Go out and throw like you know you can." And he's going to prove it, and I think it's going to be a, a quality start. And I'm pumped. Did I hear that you're predicting six innings out of Sonny Gray? Didn't we predict seven innings out of Severino? No, I don't remember what we said out of Severino. <laughs> you probably said something. That's I probably of why. course. That's probably said why. Something. That's probably why what ha- happened happened. <laughs> um, I'm pumped up for this. Uh, like we said, it's going to be a hell of a series. These teams match up closely. There will be an episode after every game, so we're gonna. There'll be a new episode out Friday morning, recapping Game One. Um, coming up to finish this uh, episode off, we've got voicemails from the wild card game. I cannot wait to hear those because they are going to be absolutely on fire. Yeah, Dom is uh, Dom is putting those together right now. I haven't listened to them. I just I saw the amount of phone calls that came in, and it looked like there were a, a, a lot. So I hope uh, I'm I'm looking forward to listening to this as well. So this is uh, I know everybody was pumped up, man. Like. How could you not be pumped up at like multiple times during that game for both two scenarios? I bet we get every emotion on there. Again, I haven't listened to them, but I, I guarantee there's people just destroying Severino. I, and, then, and then there's people probably just like, you know, gushing over uh, Didi. A lot of people on Twitter at about 8, 19 p.m. last night pronounced the Yankees dead. And that didn't last very long. No, come on. You guys got to know better than that. This team is not out in a, in a, in a given situation. They're not, it's just, it's just, it, they don't go down that fast. It's not the old, the not, not the old Yankees, the one championships, but the ones in between uh, then and not the literal, literal old Yankees, not the literal old aging Yankees. No, this is the new fresh. We never quit. Maybe we'll win today. Who knows? Yankees. That's it. They go out there and have fun. So guys, enjoy the voicemail line coming up. If you want to leave a voicemail, call 646-480-0342. And also submit mailbag questions throughout the playoffs at bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast. If, uh, if it's a, a topic that we need to be discussing or if you have a take that you, you want uh, that you think is important to get out, we might, we might start just throwing in mailbags because these episodes really don't have any structure to them. We're just We're going rogue, it. baby. We're going rogue. We're just winging it. So everyone, enjoy game one of the ALDS and we'll talk to you Friday morning. Let's go! 
Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out before I pick up the phone. Where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Hey guys, it's Natalie. I'm calling from Bridgeport, Connecticut. It's like an hour and a half outside the Bronx. Uh, it's killing me not to be in the Bronx right now. Um, it's day of Wild Card game, and I'm so stressed out. I've been in class all day, have to work all night. And um, it's probably good that I'm busy because of how anxious I am. Um, the thing is, I feel like the Yanks are probably going to win, but um, I don't know. I, sometimes this team, as good as they are, don't they come up short in um, in really you know difficult situations. Yo, what's up, guys? Uh, this is Benny calling from Hershey, Pennsylvania. Listened to your podcast for a couple of years, but. Uh, Noticed that uh, you have features like this, so I figured I'd call in and leave my first, hopefully not last, voicemail about my beloved Yankees. Every time uh, the uh, season kicked off in April, it's six months of joy for me every single day, me and my dad. Um, can't believe October is finally here. The Yanks are back in business in the Bronx in October. It's fucking sick, man. T-minus two hours to the wildcard game. Let's go, Bronx Bombers. Let's do this. If they win, hell yeah, party at my house. If they lose, I will be starting a um, support group. So, uh, let's give me a call. Didi Gregorius is the most clutch player in Yankees history. I can't believe this man. Two for 17 off uh, Santana, and he comes through like that in the first inning. Biggest hit of Bird. I'm going crazy in the car listening to John and Susan. That's baseball. I can't believe it. I'm speechless. I'm speechless. I can't wait. We got Casper coming up next. Let's see what happens, boys. Let's go. Hey boys, it's Shannon and Sarah here, the hairless pads and birds, shirt girls. Anyways, during the game, we were during your game at least, we were waiting for Didi to hit the home run. He never did it, but he just hit the three-run home run. He's saving our butt because Steffi was a little iffy, and we're done it. We're like running the game. I have no words. Everything lined up. The dude has been throwing balls to the worst human being in the human in the universe, Chris Carter. I'm speechless right now. It's a part of me. And he has replaced Peter. He's doing the tweets. He has everything right to us. I don't know why this guy is our MVP. Judge, I love you, but he deserves all of the credit. Even a Rockies fan will admit it. He's the true superstar of the 2017 Yankees. Everything he does is perfect, and there's nobody having more fun than Didi. You wanted your rant? Here it is. We love the guy. We're back in this wild card. Thank you, God, because that was a terrifying top of the first. Did Santa tell you what happened or what? Go, Didi! Why the fuck is Ellsbury in this damn lineup? You got Headley ready to hit. Switch hitter. Put him in there. I don't know why he wasn't in there to begin with. Fucking Girardi's driving me crazy. Popping out with the bases loaded and we could have blown this wide open. And then came we back on the mound. We'll see. Go Yanks. Whoever the fuck 
was behind the plate for the wild card game. He's getting fired. Yo, what's up? This is Drew from Arizona, and all you have to say is I fucking love this goddamn team. I mean, everything about it. I mean, Sevy kind of sucked in the beginning, but after that, it was fucking electric. I mean, homers. Sanchez getting hit in the dick. Everything is fucking great. I can't fucking wait for Cleveland. God, World Series, here we come, baby. I mean, after the other rounds, of course. I love this team. Go Yankees. What's up, guys? Roller coaster of the game right there. Feeling pretty pumped right now. Just gotta say, for all the shit that we normally give Joe Girardi, I just gotta give this guy some credit. He just managed an incredible game. Great job with open. I just think he needs to get the credit he deserves for that game. Big game coming up Thursday. Let's go, Yanks. Didi is the man, 
he is clutch. You know, I've read the article saying Judge isn't clutch, but I mean, you know, he uh, had a big homer. I think he had four big hits in the, um, in the last games of the season. Um, you know, people were saying that pressure's all on the Yankees. The Twins are playing with house money. That's just false. Every team is pressured to win, but the Twins are not even in the Yankees' league. They, all the pressure was on them. Now the Yankees probably have more pressure with with Kluber and Carrasco um, coming up in this series. But you know, I've got confidence in the Yankees. I have confidence in Severino to bounce back. I look forward to seeing him. And uh, yeah, go Yankees! Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show. We'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.